you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. What's up, everybody? DJ here from Move the Sticks, along with Bucky Brooks, our podcast. We look at the NFL through a player personnel perspective, looking at teams, looking at matchups, looking at the NFL draft. You can catch us on Move the Sticks, NFL.com slash podcast, as well as iTunes. Going to the hurry of offense. Hi and hello and welcome to the Dave Damashek football program presented as always by McDonald's. Go get some of those delicious chicken McNuggets, 100% all white meat, no preservatives, no artificial colors, no weird things happening to or with them on the internet. And uh, we say hello to handsome Hank here seated to my immediate left coming up. Will Brinson of CBS Sports as we continue and complete our review by division of all eight divisions in the NFL. I'm going to give you the final record for the teams in the NFC South and the NFC West with the help of Brinson right now. Handsome Hank and I have some important business to chop up here. Handsome Hank quickly. Let's start with some sour news. Who do you think are the five teams that draft first in the 2017 NFL draft in Philadelphia, PA? Um, well, it's funny you should mention Philadelphia, PA, because I think the hometown, I think it'll it'll have a great atmosphere around it because I think the hometown will be one of those five teams. I think the Eagles this year promise not a whole lot. Agree. Um, so I think they'll be one of them. I think the worst team in the National Football li- this year could be the San Francisco 49ers. Agree. Uh, from what I've seen in preseason and just know of the talent on that roster. Uh, I, don't, I think the Browns are in a perennial rebuilding um, process, so I would definitely have them on the list. Not seduced by RG3 throwing downfield over and over again, eh? Don't, I don't know that teams are necessarily showing off their best against the Browns in the preseason. I think the Titans, a lot of people have got excited about the Titans and they're some, somehow become like uh, the hipster NFL fans. I, I think they'll fall back to earth when, when you know, it gets real out there. And when, and when their players and their fan base realizes, oh yeah, Mike Malarkey is our coach. Yeah. I mean, that, like, there's a lot of people who are overlooking that just for the sake of it. But I, I just, I, I think they're going to have a hard time. I think the Lions could turn out to be not a very good team in a mm. division that you know probably is going to be pretty good. Um, and the Bears equally. I think one of those two teams would probably be in that top five. Uh, the Falcons, I watched play against the Dol- my Miami Dolphins this weekend, who, by the way, won't be far off the f- top five, certainly sort of about eighth. Uh, but I think the Falcons are another team that, to me, I kind of went into thinking, you know, remember how they started off last season. I thought that maybe we'd see more of that this year. But then as I look at them, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot to that team. I'm with you on a lot of those ones you just mentioned. I think the first overall pick does go to the 49ers, which would then equal Chip Ke- Kelly scuttling two organizations 
in the span of about two I, years. I don't know that you can give him the 49ers. The 49ers were scuttled no, when he got on board. In fact, they were scuttled when uh, Jim Tom Sula got on board. All right, so per- perhaps then we could say where Chip goes, a stink follows. Yes, the stink Something stays. like that. Eagles at number two, Browns at three. I agree with you. The Falcons are going to be bad this year, four. And the Buffalo Bills, much to my Mm. chagrin, I always say I like for the Bills to do well in the NFL. I don't think that's going to happen, though. Next up, handsome Hank, Dak Prescott in – I mean, the Cowboys, that's such a tough division to figure out. We have the – by we, I mean I. I have the Giants getting it at 10 and 6. I had – the Cowboys at nine and seven, but with Dak Prescott, I don't know what to think. How do you think this thing plays out? Well, I think Dak is better than the options they've had at backup the last, you know, certainly last season where they couldn't muster even a single win out of those guys. So I think they're in better shape. I also don't have a whole lot of. I mean, you know, talking about the teams that aren't very good, I've watched the Giants, and that there's there's something very given that the amount of talent that they have on the roster, there's something very wrong with that offense. Uh, and so I'm not sure the Giants are going to be that good. I think the Redskins, you know, had the leagues, I think, if not the easiest, one of the easiest um, schedules last season. I think they're probably going to come back to earth. So I'm not saying I wouldn't rule out the Cowboys because of Dak. And, I, you know, he's been pretty impressive during the preseason. I think you have to, like, temper any kind of super over excitement about a rookie quarterback, given that they're playing against pretty vanilla defenses and normally not the number ones. We'll see what comes of it. I think he's. I think he's good. I'm really. I love watching him. He seems a very exciting player to watch. But I'm not. I'm not going to go out there and say they. They. They're not going to miss a beat with. He's got a McNair quality, right? Is Steve McNair yeah. the best comp that we've seen in the last twenty or so years? Yeah, I mean, I think that I can see that. that a makes big sense. physical. He's runner. big. He's physical. He runs. He big throws well. I like the fact that he can throw on the run. You know, sort of off balance. He can still get the ball to where he wants it to be. Yeah, they still have no defense, and I do. I, you, you clearly don't listen to me telling you, please, handsome. I say it to the world all the time. Don't believe what you see in August. It's a month long live for your said. eyes. Well, you're taught you're the one who's uh, denouncing my Giants pick because of McAdoo's team not looking so good. This is the guy who coordinated them last year. Of course, they'll uh, figure things out. Although. To support your side of things, I did ask Sean O'Hara, late of the New York Giants, what will undo the Giants if they aren't as good as I think. And he said the right side of that offensive yeah. line. No depth there. No depth. Any injury anywhere on the line, that team could And I saw John early. Jerry being scraped off the field uh, last night. We could talk about uh, Joey Bosa signing with the Chargers at long last. We'll pass on that, though, here. Let's just say up. it happened and we're happy with it. That's right. Good for everybody. We don't want to have to think about that anymore. Instead, let's talk about, as we come down to the wire of another summer, a little Shecky Award. We do the best TV show I watched in a given year. Let's just do a summertime award here. I have three candidates, The Night Of on HBO, Stranger Things on Netflix, and The Night Manager on AMC. How would you rank those three shows, Handsome? Uh, I think The Night Of is easily the number one. Oh, people are so gaga for Stranger Things. Well, I haven't watched that. so oh, that, But right. I would have to put in, and I, I think I watched the, the Night Manager, which I recommended to you, in fact. I watched you that did. probably it was springtime when I watched that. So the other one I'm going to put in there, and I don't know if you've ever been able to watch any of this, is The Wire, which is a show I've just discovered. I've been traveling a lot recently, and I've had it on my iPad. I've watched a lot of The Wire. I'm on season five of that, which, I, which is the last one. Are you wild for it? I very much enjoy it. It's is not. It, it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily move me in the same way that some of the you know the shows that you and I have shared a passion for, like um, obviously like Game of Thrones, like Night of, like um, uh, True Detective, those kind of things. But it it definitely keeps. Ro- I think if it was in real time and we both been watching it, I'd probably be in that same region of of excitement around it. Well, I have seen some of it. I haven't made my way all the way through yet. Uh, but I will say the bronze medal for this summer goes to the night manager. Right. Then I announced on Sunday afternoon before the finale of the night of, with a strong finale, night of can vault past Stranger Things for a summertime Shecky Award, not unlike back in 2014 in the Shecky Awards proper right at the end of the year on the strength of its great finale, Fargo jumped True Detective Season 1, which had – a you know average to bad finale this stranger things is the silver medal winner i like the finale of the night of it gets the top spot congratulations on a seasonal shecky award to that and with that being said start the show david 
the Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Yes, hi and hello once again, and welcome to the DDFP. And once again, and as always, we're presented by McDonald's. Go get some of those delicious chicken McNuggets I mentioned earlier. Something I want to mention here and now, if you're ready for football, get even readier than your brain already is. Like me, you know, I don't like the preseason, so I like to watch games that matter. You know how you can do that, handsome? You go to NFL.com slash Game Pass and start a seven-day free trial. Live, out-of-market preseason games, if that's your pleasure, plus game replays during the regular season is how you do it. I love it. Game Pass is great. You can watch, you know, in preseason it's fantastic because you, you, sometimes when you're watching the games, normally you have to sit through the whole thing. For this, you can just flick around, you know, choose the starter of any game you want to so you see the starters play and then you can on to the next one. I want, we, You know, this is one of those issues that I feel like people who cover football for a living debate each and every year. Now, from around the NFL, we have Chris Wessling, who is very much in love, like a lot of people are, with Kristen Michael right now. Right. But I'm a cynic about this because I've been burned too many times by this. We need a proper list of all the pros and all the cons of guys who have been seductive in August and then actually pay that off when the games start to matter. Who do you think on the great ledger of football would win that one? Is it better to not look at it and think, Mm. this guy's going to be a star only to find that he barely touches the field once the games start and really matter? Or do you think when you see something, it is relevant to what they're going to do? I don't think it's that relevant, but I think what it can predict is, uh, and it often predicts, is like two or three years down the line. If you see a guy really catches your eye in like the third quarter of a preseason game, if you jump to the conclusion that he's going to be great in 2016 or this season, you're normally sorely disappointed. But if you look out for them, you know, a year or two down the line, sometimes they can start to contribute to your team. Anyone to you that seems fraudulent that everybody's excited about? Or have you seen something from somebody that makes you think this is the year he breaks out or this rookie is really mm. going to be good? There's no one I can think of because I do watch I watch preseason games with that, you know, with that temperament of like I'm not I'm, I'm just not going to be seduced by a lot of this. And oftentimes I'll watch the starters and then, you know, the, I, what I like about the preseason is often they start in sort of 30 minute increments. So you can start a game, watch the first 30 minutes and then know you've pretty much seen the starters and just move on to the next one. Handsome, you were in Mexico City, too, scouting the Oakland Raiders and Houston Texans game. That's going to be good. Handsome flies all over the big blue marble promoting NFL football these days. We've got the London games coming up. That's very exciting. And like I say, in just a minute, we have coming up Will Brinson from CBS. We're going to round out our preseason predictions by division one through six. Both both conferences seeded up for you. And before we get into that, though, Handsome, let's kibitz about this Colin Kaepernick business. I'm, I'm fascinated to hear an outsider's perspective. As I say, you travel the big blue marble. What does, how does this hit your ear? What Colin Kaepernick, uh, Colin Kaepernick did over the weekend, of course, not standing for the national anthem for a third straight week. Finally, somebody caught on that he wasn't right. doing that. And that now it has become a, uh, a, a, uh, well, I, I want to say a major controversy but it also seems like the majority of opinions I'm seeing are in support of his right. To yeah, sure. I mean, it's a weird one. And you asked for, for as an outsider because it definitely that's where I come come at it from. So I remember when I first came to the U.S. sort of on a regular basis, I was actually um, at a NFL Europe practice in Tampa, Florida on a so watching to uh, or a team practicing. And it backed on to a little league baseball game that was taking place. And the national anthem started on the Little League baseball field. I remember this very clearly. It was about the third or fourth day I'd been in, in the U.S. on this on this trip. And the whole of the th- practice for the NFL Europe, you know, professional or semi-whatever, professional football players stopped. And everyone put their hand on their heart, you know, like mid-play because the national anthem anthem had started, and that's not something that I'm familiar with in the UK. The national really? anthem it doesn't have this. I mean, first of all, look, I, I don't want to get all republic about it, but the national anthem in the UK is all about God saving the Queen. There's not a whole lot on the, uh, there for uh, the other 99. percent It's a, it's a very much a one percenters thing. But the US national anthem means something big to everyone in the US. So 
I definitely come at it from a very different vantage point. Like, I, if you but didn't I'm surprised stand that up, the God Save the Queen thing, that to me would equal. There, there, there's been a uh, 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 conflation, it seems like, with the people that are knocking Colin Kaepernick that somehow the national anthem is a religious event. Uh, or I, no, no. Yeah, I mean, the covering yes, of the that's heart definitely is, a, is that's, a, that's definitely what, what the way that people come at it from. Yeah, but equally the. The you know the lyrics literally, but then the whole meaning behind um, behind the U.S. national anthem is all about the freedom and you know all these other things. And so on the one hand, yes, you respect the national anthem by standing, but on the other hand, the very words about freedom and everything else means if you don't want to stand, it's really up to you because you have that freedom not to. So I think he I understand his motivation for not for not standing up. And that was how he chose to um, chose to show it. Now, I think, like you said, he'd actually done it for three games before anyone noticed. It's probably, if that's the case, there might be better platforms for him. If, that, if he really wanted to express that, there may have been other ways like him just coming out and saying it rather than... Well, he, he did. Uh, you he know, did, on, but... In social uh, media, he has, uh, he's made similar points. He's made similar points, absolutely. But I don't think it... But, yeah, I don't think he had... The reason for him not standing hadn't necessarily even been noticed up until this weekend. I think that uh, for what it's worth, if uh, because I feel like uh, we're obliged to weigh in on on these things, and right. I do think it's interesting in the 21st century. I think that there are other media outlets in sports and otherwise where they tisk tisk at opining on things that transcend just the sport. There are fans who say stick to sports and everything else. Well, you stick to sports, and uh, and then I'll follow your lead. Right fans or, or anybody else who yeah. complains about that. I also balk at the notion that if you say something like this or do something like Kaepernick does, does I, I mean, the, the reaction, well, then leave the country. Is uh, that's ridiculous? Yeah, is absurd and petulant and uh, and and goes against the very uh, point of the First Amendment in our country. I just I'm curious how how you. I mean, obviously the UK isn't uh, a backwards nation, but. Nevertheless, I, how what's happening in our country right now? You're fresh off of the whole Brexit thing. I'm fascinated by that. I, it just all it just feels like bizarro world in 2016 right. to me. Here, all bets are off. I don't know what you're allowed to say. People bellyache about political correctness on one hand, and on the other hand, we have a presidential candidate who loudly denounces soldiers, POWs, Purple Heart <laughs> families. But that same person can then say, well, if you don't like it, uh, you should leave the you country. Leave the country. It's weird. The it inability to acknowledge that hypocrisy or for the supporters of that. It's, I, I, it makes my head spin. I don't know how to respond to that. You're exactly right. It is all a new, relatively new phenomenon, but it's not going to get better. I mean, let's assume that now that the world of social media and people getting very angry about things which either don't concern them at all or they don't have a full understanding of or has only been explained in 140 characters and you know, there's probably some nuance that's missing, it's not going to get better. These, the, this, these type of issues, whether it's this one or anything similar, are here to stay. More importantly, is Cap better than Gabbard? At what? <laughs> I don't know. I just was trying to make a transition. Right. Here's one thing I will say to you, handsome. You said uh, ten minutes ago that you're 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 already down on your Dolphins. I said it before. I say it again now. People like to say that they're making bold predictions, but saying right. David Johnson's going to have a good 2016 Not no longer bold. counts as bold. No, no. Everybody seems to think that's going to happen. Ryan Tannehill is going to have a very good year statistically. I, 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 th but you know what? If you look at Ryan Tannehill's career, he's had some pretty good years. Not in fantasy, though. He would say, has he ever been top ten in fantasy? I, I mean, I don't look at things from through that lens necessarily. That's not my thing. But he ha he's gone over four thousand yards passing. He's had you know double yeah, TDs true. to to INTs ratios. He's not. He he hasn't been terrible. He, the the problem with that team, the reason I think they're going to be bad, is their back seven. Their their uh, secondary and linebackers are the the talent in there outside of Rashad Jones, who's a, who's a Pro Bowler, is probably as bad as any team in the NFL. Yeah, that uh, that uh, front four though can forgive a lot of uh, stuff going on behind Maybe. them. But the three Jets, years ago, it could have forgiven a lot more. Boy, oh boy, the Jets look just loaded. Once, oh wow, yeah. it's the same pieces. Uh, yeah, but Leonard Williams looks like he's about uh, ready right. to take off. Right. All right. So now let's get into it. Do you want a quick review? Uh, MOVP behind the glass. We no longer have black tie behind. It's the very glass. sad without black tie. I feel like there's something missing. There's you know a little. It is sad. 
you can go back and listen you're, to You're overjoyed. Emma pretends she's sad. She ran him out of town. Yeah, well, she did make a great video. I encourage you, Nate Demand, you go back and uh, watch that whole episode. It was a good one, a lot of good football analysis. But at the end, a farewell to Black Tie to beat the band. It makes me wonder what happens when you leave Black Tie. I mean, not handsome. <laughs> why, I mean, because if why, Black Tie gets that sort of a send off, what awaits you? I'm not as beloved as Black Tie. You don't think so? No. No. If I, I like having this conversation periodically. We, we should do it again. If I move on, like, do we just say. You know what? Move on. You mean move on to another realm? Like maybe pass on, or you want to do it that way? We can. I don't mind. It's up to you. Would you call for a complete shutdown of all NFL media for a day? I reckon if you, if you, if it were tomorrow morning, we were to get that tragic phone call. I reckon we would have at least a minute silence in on on your on on your show. Oh, on here. Okay. On here. On the network, though. No, I don't think it would be marked on there. All right. Well, I'll take the one minute here on the DDFP. That only seems appropriate. Yeah, we we would do the hurry up. It would start off be like, let's have the hurry up. Then we would just be quiet for a minute. Then it'd be. I don't start want, the show. But just on, but just. And on, I would have taken just over. because of me not being here doesn't mean people are still going to want their football news and opinions and everything. Oh, we can get that. Maybe you could just do an entire episode as me and see if anybody notices. <laughs> I don't Give know, a, fella. Say something good about. Uh, uh, you know, I a team I really like this year, the Steelers. I sound. You sound more like Elliot That's Harrison. <laughs> That's not solid at all, Emma. Perfect. All right. You know what? Hit the bricks, handsome Hank. A pleasure right. to see you. Let's see you again later in the week. Yeah, let's do it. Um, but uh, in the meantime, let's dig into the last two divisions: the NFC South, the NFC West, with the great Will Brinson. You listen to Dave all right, as promised, here he is, everybody. Big fan of his work on CBS Sports. I met him at the Super Bowl in Phoenix two Februaries ago. I found him to be positively delightful. Here he is on the DDFP. Long overdue, Will Brinson. What's the poop, fella? What's happening, Dave? Thanks for the invite. Happy to be here. Well, I appreciate your time, and uh, like I say, long overdue to get you here on the DDFP. And I see you are – is that a symbolic gesture behind you? If you're watching us on, uh, on NFL.com slash podcasts, he has a white wall behind us. You've painted over all of history. It is time to look ahead to 2016 NFL, yes? That, that is exactly right. The, the 2015 depth charts, and of course, I had all my draft, uh, my draft list of guys that I studied in film studies and uh, all my deep football knowledge. But because it's a new year, I had to wipe it clean. And uh, my wife and mother-in-law have just not seen that it's empty. Otherwise, they would be up here uh, decorating <laughs> it with various pictures. All right. Well, that, that, that's probably a wise move because, as anybody who f- watches football knows, if you were to fall into a coma for, like, two years and then you were woken up, you would probably be like, wait, Colin Kaepernick is now a backup to Blaine Gabbert, but that's not even the biggest news, of course, right now. The backup of the San Francisco 49ers is uh, is getting a little bit of heat. Let me let me uh, have you weigh in here because it is your right as a sports journalist. It's your responsibility to have some opinion on this. Let us have it. What do you think about what Cap did uh, with the, or is doing with the national anthem? Well, Dave, I firmly believe as an American that you can do whatever the hell you want. I mean, that's the whole point of freedom, and that's why this country is awesome. Uh, I do, however, as a skeptical American have at least some issues with the timing of this. Like, if he wasn't in, if he wasn't relegated to backup duty behind Blaine Gabbert, potentially behind Christian Ponder, you know, what? like, where did, did this just come about now? I mean, it's, it's, it's the timing is, is the only thing that bothers me. And I don't want to say that Colin Kaepernick's not doing the right thing. Good for him for fighting for, against the oppression of anybody, because oppression is horrible, and, and, and anybody who condemns him for his actions from, I believe you would point out, from Mount Pius is probably not you know, uh, not not really looking at it from a serious standpoint, but I, I just question the timing. It's like in a preseason game when you're battling for a quarterback job and you have a, a contract the team would like to get out of and you'd love to be released and collect all that guaranteed money and not be on the team anymore. I have skeptical issues with it. I, I mean, that is a keen take and in broad str- – well, I agree with everything you just said there. You're being more football skeptic than you are being right. skeptic of his politics or uh, what he's attempting to do uh, in society here. Good take on that one. What do you make of, speaking of, uh, you know, falling into a coma, 
Roma, which almost rhymes with Romo. Now, I mean, I, I mean, how, how sad are you for Roma? What do you think happens? How do, best you can forecast the way the starts are divvied up now in 2016. How many does Dak Prescott get? Does Romo come back sooner than we expect? And does he just get the job no matter what the Cowboys' uh, record is without him? Mm, I think he has to get the job. And I don't think Dak Prescott's going to be as good as people expect because after all this preseason stuff with the way Dak has played, I, th- I think it's like 70-30, even before the injury, 30% of Cowboys fans wanted Dak Prescott to win that job because their psychotic bandwagon uh, football people who who you know just tend to, to get ahead of themselves in matters like this. So I, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I, I think if Tony Romo is prepared to come back in the middle of the season, he gets the job back. He's Tony freaking Romo. He is Jerry. He is the apple of Jerry Jones's eye, and he will get that job regardless of how well Dak has done. I don't think Dak will carry this team. I think it's another rookie, Ezekiel Elliott, who looks tremendous, especially in pass protection. He even had a great block on the the play where Romo got injured. I think Ezekiel Elliott is the guy who carries the Cowboys, and if they have a good record, it's because Zeke has played extremely well. Romo gets the gets the gets the starting job back, but I think. The fact that Dak is decent allows you to at least try and stretch it out a little bit and hope and pray that you can be in contention when Tony comes back. Completely agree with you about that. And Zeke, by the way, that is an important note, and maybe this is rudimentary to to some out there. But as Maurice Jones-Drew and many others will remind, a lot of guys that get drafted in that spot, it's it goes without saying, they can run the football. What they can't do is take care of business and pass pro. Zeke Elliott looks like a high-end option in that regard, too. So if you're waiting to see, I don't know, Alfred Morris or Darren McFadden or anyone else out there coming in on third-down situations, I think keep on waiting. I think Zeke Elliott looks like an every-down back there. Um, all right, let's jump into it, shall we? And uh, as a quick review for everybody and for you, Brinson, the NFC East, here's how I had that. I have the Giants taking it at 10-6, and six, sneaking past the Cowboys. This was pre-Romo injury. I might knock them down to 8-8, eight and eight, but I do think that uh, the weakness remains the defense, not the offense there. I think they still will be able to run the ball a little bit, and I might have to bump up um, – the Redskins, as a matter of fact, to nine mm. and seven, and the Cowboys down to eight and eight or seven and nine. I still don't think the Cowboys. I remember the Eagles have a great year in the North. I think Aaron Rodgers and company. I sense from the interviews I've heard, Aaron Rodgers has a chip on his shoulder right now. He also has a better group of uh, pass catchers. Twelve and four, the Vikings at eleven and five, and that brings us to the NFC South, which not that long ago was always throw the four teams' names into a hat and pull one out, and that might be right. Now it suddenly is a division that has belonged to the Carolina Panthers. Where do you come down on how this thing's going to look this season? I think the Carolina Panthers, Dave, are maybe the most underrated team in the NFL going into this season because – and, like, I'm honestly leaning towards making them my Super Bowl pick. I I would love to go with the Cardinals and the Steelers. But I've already seen like 15 different media people going Cardinals and Steelers, hmm. and anytime something is too obvious, I get I get a little I get a little worried, and 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 I I don't think there's going to be a single person out there that picks the Panthers to get back to the Super Bowl, so I'm going to be that guy. They're just head and shoulders are better than everybody in this division. Uh, Cam Newton's weapons are going to be exponentially better this year. I mean, Ted Ginn, you saw he had that big catch in the preseason. Um, remember what? How do you guard a guy like Ted Ginn as a vertical option? When you have Devin Funchess emerging, Kelvin Benjamin and Greg Olson, what's what's the the sexiest scouting term out there? Catch radius. I mean, they, they got like 18 feet of catch radius between those three <laughs> guys, and Ted Ginn can streak up the middle. Jonathan Stewart and Cam in the run game are dangerous, and I, I don't think I think Josh Norman is going to look like uh, a, a bad value for the Redskins for three weeks into the season because. Carolina's defense will be good, and he will be dealing with Antonio Brown, Des Bryant, Odell Beckham. I don't think Carolina's going to miss him that much. To me, they are significantly ahead of the rest of this division, um, but I, I think all three of the other teams definitely got better. I'm with you on what you said with the Panthers there. I, I mean, I can't recall, at least, and, and if you have one, uh, fill in the name here, but I can't recall a team that, like you say, has now uh, – it's – People have completely forgotten that this is the a 15-1 team. And I think it all starts with 
the perception of Cam Newton. And, I, you know, I think maybe people went too far. The overreaction to the overreaction to Cam Newton's dancing and everything else. And uh, by the end of it all, people said, oh, you're just picking on a couple of people. Uh, America's not that backwards. They don't really care that much about Cam Newton. But there was a weird resentment, or there, there, there continues to be a lack of full acknowledgement of, 2015 Cam, and even if you say Cam Newton since his rookie season, and I stand by what I've been saying now for now five years, that is the single greatest rookie season in NFL history, at least by a quarterback, what Cam Newton did. But people say, well, he's got to do it again. Cam's, he's, uh, that's his first good season in the NFL, which makes me scratch my head. Have you not been watching him play? He is as distinct and, dare I say, unique a quarterback out there. I mean, he's the only guy who still is running with the ball consistently back to. Now we see a transformed, apparently, RG3, and Colin Kaepernick can't beat out Blaine Gabbert and so on. The one guy who still is carrying the ball effectively from that uh, from those days where, we fir- where, where it first started to break out is Cam Newton and all the, you know, uh, uh, the numbers he put up with those pat- – Complete lack of respect because one Broncos defense rose up and shut him down on the Super Bowl. I feel like, back to where you started there, Cam Newton, this should be a, a potentially, I don't know, 15-1 and one is likely, but their schedule is statistically, I guess, the easiest in all of football right now. I really don't see a way the Panthers don't do it. Who do you think challenges them if somehow it, you and I are both wrong? The Panthers don't win the South this year. Who will it be? I'm, this is where the hat throwing the hat stuff gets involved because two years ago I picked the Saints to win the Super Bowl and that looked really stupid halfway through the season because <laughs> the Saints they, they don't have a defense. Why are they magically going to be good at, at defending people this year? I don't. I, I know. I know that a lot of people are kind of picking a resurgence in New Orleans and and I think it's fantastic. Drew Brees led the league in passing. He's going to be miffed because he's got you know they're not going to give it. They're not giving him money. I get that. He'll be mad. Uh, Brandon Cook should be better. You have Mark Ingram, who's who's underrated as a running back. But I, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the team that challenge him in this division. And I think it's because Jameis Winston is a quarterback that can take a leap in 2016 because of how good. I think he's a good enough quarterback to be a top 10 or 15 quarterback, you know, within the next year or two. The issue is, will they give him enough protection? Because, I mean, he definitely has the weapons. And can they stop people on defense? I, I think people are sleeping on the Bucs when there are too many red flags for for the Falcons and the Saints. Completely uh, agree with what the Buccaneers offense can do because of Jameis, and I think Mike Evans has a big season this year. I'm a little concerned, though, about the rest of the offensive cast there. I think the offensive line was was pretty good last year. I don't know after after Mike Evans, though, a bunch of head scratchers, including Vincent Jackson there, Doug Martin, quietly – our pal Greg Rosenthal cites Doug Martin's 2015 as the second best in the entire NFL last year. Mm. Um, and, you know, I don't know if that's a little bit of hyperbole or not, but, you know, Buccaneers games, I, I will be honest with you, I didn't watch all 60 minutes of all 16 <laughs> Buccaneers games, and there's Try good six. reason for this. Well, they, they were very ugly, yes. But I didn't watch six they, minutes of six games. <laughs> What's the uniforms? I, my, my eyeballs can only take so much. I'm a uniform aficionado, and it's repugnant to me to force me to look at that weird, those weird digital alarm clock numbers on their jerseys. and the It's too much. It's, it's the Samoa cookie of, of NFL uniforms. It's everything. Exactly. But it's exactly what, like, if you went back to 1995 and said, create a a football uniform of the future, they would have come up with that horrible (laughs) uniform, and then it actually happened. That's the worst part. Yeah, you're right about that. I just resent, though, when it's like the OKC Thunder. They did the same thing. You don't just get to take every color in the rainbow and throw it into your uniform. The whole point is that you have to choose a couple of colors that go together in an interesting uh, way. You don't just get to take red and silver and orange and black and yellow and throw them on the uniform and say, there you go, America, love it. No, it's too much. Of course, a Samoa tastes good. It's got every ingredient of food in it. It's cheating. <laughs> I'm actually a Samoa fan, but, I mean, I, I, I mean I, we could go all that. Well, thank you. Uh, but I, I think the, the other problem with the Bucks too, is they're slapping – 
the creamsicle in the face. Yes, like you've got the creamsicle right there for the taking and the full-time usage for the rest of time. You could be prancing around in these beautiful swashbuckling creamsicle uniforms and you're wearing alarm clock numbers. It's infuriating. That that's the biggest strike of all against teams is when they have a nice option and they willfully go against it. You know, it's like the Eagles. The Eagles have that 1960, that Kelly green and white spare and delightful like a thin mint cookie. Now that's, (laughs) that's your best girl scout cookie. And instead they go with that cockamamie with the, with the black Jersey. Sometimes it's upsetting me. Now I'm with you on the saints. I do think that the passing game is going to be mighty this year in uh, in NOLA, but I'm with you on the defense. The Falcons intrigue, though. Do we not think – I mean, there's a, there's a lot of bad noise very recently in just the last few days. We're already hearing with Beasley – we're already he- hearing the word bust uh, before year two even begins here. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a little early, especially when you got you – I mean, Dan Quinn's got his hands on him. We know Dan Quinn can fashion a defense – um, I think we're going to see a better defense just because that's what he's building. My main concern there is is Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, have we have we hit a, are we at a ceiling point with Matt Ryan? And it's 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 a nice ceiling, but it's not an incredible ceiling. And, and what what happens is Mohamed Sanu the the answer to the loss of Roddy White because Julio Jones is is probably one of my five favorite people to watch in the NFL, but. I think without a secondary weapon there, he, you know, sometimes teams shift coverage so much towards him that Matt Ryan can't distribute it well enough for that Falcons offense to be functional on a on a full time basis. And then Devontae Freeman, they need to make him a workhorse because he, he's a beast. Like he looked like he's running hard in the preseason. I had a tremendous start to the year last year. Uh, undervalued in fantasy drafts. I, I like I like the pieces, but you just you. I don't trust Kyle Shanahan for some reason. I don't think he always seems to have a good first year, not a great second year. It seems like. Well, and Matt Ryan, you know, once we decide on who a guy is, it's hard to knock us off of that opinion. As a side note, that's why we shouldn't have preseason college football rankings, because once you decide blank is the best team, it's going to you're going to have to see that team lose at least a couple and, of times before you. And come it's the same that. 10 teams every year. Like we get it. We get it. You think Tennessee is going to be great. No offense to your producers. You know, Alabama. Wow. They're up there. USC. I can't believe you put USC in, in the top 10. That's so surprising because you do it every year and then they don't finish there. I mean, it's 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 asinine. I agree completely. Don't. Well, don't. Uh, no offense to Sully there. And don't worry, you didn't because he'll just uh, whichever team ends up winning the SEC. That'll be his favorite team. This year. He's a front <laughs> hey, runner. Is, this is Butch Jones's year, man. Yeah, that's what I heard. That's what I heard. But Matt Ryan, all of a sudden, you know, this is a it, it, he is a fascinating figure because he's one pass in the red zone away from getting to a Super Bowl. And now I think we can make a pretty strong case. He's the fourth best quarterback in, in his own division. If you By were, end if, of the year, I think we will all be saying that, right? Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, I you know, who knows what will happen with Breeze. I'm guessing that he'll get paid because he's – freaking Drew Brees and it's New Orleans and he's going to put up big numbers. I mean, to me, Cam is, is, is the easy number one choice. If I was building a franchise right now, I mean, let's say you're building a franchise and you have to do it for the next three to five years to win. Cause that's otherwise you're going to get fired. I'm going Cam one, Jameis two, Brees three and Matt Ryan at distant four. So I go with starting with Matt Ryan's team. I'll got, I'll put the Falcons at five and 11. I think the Saints come in at 7-9. and nine. I do think the defense is going to be crummy down there. I'll have the Buccaneers at 9-7, and seven, right on the cusp, in the mix for a wild card spot. They ultimately won't get that. And then I have the Panthers at 12-4, and four, just because 15-1. There, there is no history to support the idea in the 21st century that, uh, that the Panthers are going to repeat that. The team that is the runner-up, the team that loses the Super Bowl – Usually, look at recent history, tends to fall back a little bit. Nevertheless, I still have them at 12 and 4. Spoiler alert, I have them as the number one seed in the NFC once again. Mm-hmm. Now, let's turn it to the NFC West, and it's going to be a close race between the two teams that battled it out in 2015 the Seahawks and Cardinals. Brinson, do you agree with that to begin with? Oh, by a, by a mile. I mean, th- th- and then I think there's a a huge gap, and then you got the the Rams, and then there's another huge gap that is approximately not not the width, but the length of the Grand Canyon, and then you have the 49ers. Yeah, I w- we'll get into the Niners and just how bad they're going to be in a second here. But yes, I have the Niners at two and fourteen, Rams at six and ten, 
And, you know, it's easy to say, well, Jeff Fisher always goes eight and eight, but really start going through that schedule. And when you, you know, I know that the Rams have a knack under Fisher of going up to Seattle and, and playing well and playing well against these high-end teams in their division, but that's four tough games to begin with. Go all the way through that Rams schedule. The schedule makers did them no favors. They're, they're, they're road-heavy to start things here in the uh, launch of the L.A. days. Yeah, I got the Cardinals and Seahawks both at 11-5. and five. Who do you have winning the division ultimately? I got the Cardinals. I think I, I, I would. I've been wanting to take the Cardinals to win the Super Bowl for like three months now, which does not make me some you know magical football savant. I mean, there's a lot of people out there, but I just think that when you start to look at the way they built this team and the the, the weapons that they have on that offense with Bruce Arians leading it, as long as Carson Palmer stays healthy, this is a team that's going to score close to 30 points, if not close to 35 points. I mean, Palmer, David Johnson, the way he looked down the stretch, and I, I know that it's. It's easy to get carried away, and you see him, you're picking him fourth in fantasy leagues or second in fantasy leagues, and you know, there's this limited sample size at the end. But, I mean, do you hear what Steve Kime and Bruce Arians are saying about this guy? He's, he's legit, and they have a little bit of depth there at running back to, to back him up if he, you know, if he has any issues. Um, wide receiver John Brown's concussion, certainly a cause for concern, but you still have Michael Floyd. you got Larry Fitzgerald. you got J.J. Nelson. I mean, there's tons of talent there. Um, I think that offense is going to be unstoppable. And then this is the first time since Steve Kime and Bruce Arians have been running this team that they actually have a pass rush. They go out and get uh, Chandler Jones in the trade. I, I, I like the trade, the Jonathan Cooper, a throw-in thing, but you, you know you give up a second rounder, you're still getting Chandler Jones, and then you draft Robert Kimdichie, and no team has been better at bringing in questionable draft guys and getting them involved in the system early. Tyron Matthew, a perfect example. He, if he's back healthy and there's no reason to think he won't be, this defense has top five potential, too. I, I love the Cardinals, and I don't blame people for picking them. I think the Seahawks will be very close, though, in an offense that is going to surprise people because it's going to be Russell Wilson heavy. Well, let's – yeah, I, I want to talk Cardinals, too, here, and specifically the guy at the trigger, Carson Palmer. I, I, I don't as easily – assume he's going to do anything close to what he did in 2015 at this age. You know, the the line that really stands out to me about Carson Palmer is when asked about his atrocious, atrocious performance in the title game was, well, that's just one of those games. You just, you, you just got to get past and move on. No, no, Carson, we don't. You do. <laughs> you do, that's fella. True. And will you? I don't know that you will. And everything else I love about the team, I love Bruce Arians, the guy. I obviously love everything he's done since, you know, since the Steelers retired him however long ago. All he's done is win in both Indianapolis and uh, and in Arizona. I love the defensive pieces. Um, I like I, I like the the individual mental makeup when you talk to the defensive pieces and collectively, I, I, you know, what they have um, going down there. I just – Carson Palmer – is not a small factor, and at this age, I, I I could see some regression there. But in the meantime, what is Russell Wilson's offense going to look like this year? More like what do you anticipate? More what it was in the last eight games, or let's say last uh, six or seven games of the regular season, which is to say, obviously Russell Wilson throwing the ball much more than we've ever seen before. Or do you think that with a committee, or maybe it's Kristen Michael? Um, heavy, however it is, more more back to the Marshawn Lynch run-heavy style. Well, I, I think people don't know this, and um, I don't want to say I'm a Russell Wilson savant. I, I mean, I, I've I've probably been on the Russell Wilson bandwagon longer than just about anybody else because I, I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. I watched, I went to football games watching Russell Wilson play for NC State before he blew up at Wisconsin and before he. I remember when he tormented Pitt in the second half about five yes, years ago. Yes, yes. I've let right. him know I didn't care for that, but anyway, that was continue. The, uh, wasn't that the? Um, that was a bowl game, right? No, it was towards the end of the season, though. Yeah, or I well, yeah, it was. What when was that? Actually, I don't recall when it was in the season, but I do remember it Pitt was it a much better Athletic team. Bowl. Maybe maybe it was a regular. I thought it was. I thought it was a bowl game for some reason. But uh, not to digress. Yeah, look, Russell Wilson's been fantastic, and when he played for NC State, not only was there no offensive line, there was no running game, and this was a guy who. Like I mean, he he was he was throwing a high octane number of passes in terms of you know distribution, and he was running that up tempo offense. And I think he's capable of doing it. I, I can't fathom why people don't respect Doug Baldwin at this point, given the four game stretch that he had last year, and now he's turned into a number one. Tyler Lockett is an 
an animal down the field. Jimmy Graham can't be worse than he was last year. And I think that they're going to mix in Christine Michael. I think they're going to use him and Thomas Rawls as the, you know, as the, the backbone of this offense in terms of setting up the pass. But I think this is going to be the year where Pete Carroll and, and that offense really kind of lets Russell Wilson blossom into an MVP candidate. And he ends up having a huge season where he's passing the ball a ton and, and still picking up yards with his feet. I, I would not be surprised at all if, if Russell Wilson ended up winning MVP. I think he's a bit of a sleeper um, if, 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 if he's not – maybe he is one of the favorites. I haven't looked at the odds. But, I mean, I would, I would, take, I would take that as a sort of semi-sleeper there. Yeah, it is. It's a funny shift that we're in the midst of, as a matter of fact, as Peyton goes out and Tom Brady's down for obviously the first four weeks and Breeze is up there now and that team is sliding at least. Maybe they can reverse the trend here, but they're sliding as a as an organization away from postseason relevance and all that sort of thing. Suddenly now we have our new group here of, of the so-called I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this superlative now. It's elite. Have you heard that applied to quarterbacks? Sometimes people like to 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 weigh in on whether or not a guy's elite. Sometimes. I have. It's literally – you know, we, we actually, Dave, you should we should celebrate this, and I may be jinxing it, but we got through this offseason without the elite discussion about one quarterback. Remember, I know. It's Eli, a, it's, Eli and Flack for the last two years. <laughs> These are extraordinary days in which we live. I now say, to me still, the gold standard is the green and gold standard is Aaron Rodgers, and I think he's going to have a dominant season this year. And I know everybody likes to point out, hey, what was considered a bad year for him really wasn't that bad. In fact, that's right. Cam Newton was the legit MVP last year. Roethlisberger and Russell Wilson, I think that's your top four quarterbacks in the game right now. Agree or no? Uh, agree completely. I think you can put Brady there. I mean, you know, it depends. Oh, I, I left out. Yeah, I forgot uh, the greatest of all time. Sorry about that. Yes. <laughs> well, he's playing too well to take him out. No, he's only going to get 12 games. But um, I thought it was hilarious. We almost had that elite discussion when uh, Mike Sander of ESPN did that uh, tiered system and Cam was tier two. But he was listening to this. Like he was the fifth best quarterback. I mean, it's fine if he's tier, tier two doesn't matter as long as you're number five in the NFL. I have no problem with that. Uh, but I, I would agree. I would have that. I would have that list the same. Um, I think Andrew Luck is going to be back to knocking on that door as well hey. after this year. I, I just think people are people. I, I know somebody. I can't remember who said. I don't think this was like an actual hot sports take or anything. But they were pointing out that you know Andrew Luck. He got paid. He's you know he got paid. He's he's still playing hard though. Don't worry. He's still going out there and, and giving it his <laughs> all even though he got paid. I mean that's that's the most asinine story this offseason. Yeah, I, I I mean I would expect uh, you know I I mean the way that that offense in Indy is now constructed, I just see deep ball a lot of Arizona Cardinals football as a matter of fact the the same sort of thing that if he uh, if he stays upright he'll get back in that conversation yeah i mean then that's the trick is that they're built to to hit a ton of home runs with the with those top 3 receivers now the question is will the offensive line hold up the the pass rush just long enough for Andrew Luck to deliver those deep balls i agree with you about all that yeah cam newton maybe i'm just thinking about it now maybe he suffers from the same thing that Shaq uh, uh, when Shaq was the best player in the NBA, he sort of people put an asterisk against uh, next to his name because, well, of course he's the best. He's he's by far the biggest one, as though that's his, uh, as though that's a knock against him. You know, he's, well, he's so big. Of course he dominates. And Cam Newton, well, he's the biggest guy out on the field. Of course he dominates. Well, yeah, that's that's part. It's the same thing he has as a as another guy who has a rocket for a right arm or anything else. Yes, that he he uses his speed and. Outside, I mean, you know, his gigantic physique to to dominate the competition. I think people are slow too to catch up on Cam being a good passer because his True. completion percentage was not great for the for the whole season. And if you look at the last few years, it hadn't been fantastic. But look at the guys he's throwing to, and then you look at the last half of last year. Russell Wilson was getting all that heat during that four game stretch, but Cam over his last eight games was annihilating defenses. And if he actually takes that step. And, and remember, he, was he 27? I mean, he's literally in his athletic prime. I mean, this is a guy who's the biggest physical freak in the NFL, and he might be getting better. If he takes that step and he becomes more efficient in the open field as a passer, good Lord, I mean, he could he could set records. Well, I refer you back to what I said 10 minutes ago. Once we decide on certain mm-hmm. narratives for guys, people don't want to leave those things. That's the human condition. All right. Hey, listen, Will Brinson. Oh, the one last question I had for you is who – is going to have the first overall pick in the draft oh. next year. Uh, well, to tie it into the 
the conversation. I mean, I would I'd give it to the 49ers. I think yeah. they're the worst team in football. And uh, I love Chip Kelly. I think Chip Kelly is is fantastic. And I, w- I want to buy into what he's doing at any stop he's going to be at. And I think Gabbard and Kaepernick potentially work. I like Carlos Hyde as a running back. But when you look at the losses that they've taken and where they are, I mean, this is a reboot. You know, this is this is just it, it's a if Chip Kelly gets five wins this season, that's a tremendous effort. Um, I think Cleveland maybe eh, Cleveland could be there as well. But I think San Francisco is an easy choice for worst record in the NFL. Yep, I'm with you. The Niners get it. So congratulations. I don't know if that I don't think that's appropriate. Condolences. Sorry, it does seem like uh, your season hey, is going anywhere. Deshaun Watson is probably going to be in that draft at the top of the draft. You're talking about a, a trigger man for a Chip Kelly offense. There you go. Niners fans. Brinson saves it at the end there. Follow him at Will Brinson, CBS Sports. Track down his gangbusters work. It's a pleasure to have you pay a visit here to the DDFP. Let's do it in season, shall we? Hey, love to anytime, Dave. Thanks for the time, fella. Oh, and he told me just before we started that uh, he ran into somebody who uh, who said to pass along strawberries have been delicious in 2016. I disagree. I, I Listen, I love fruit, but the Shecky Award, I don't know who's going to win the granddaddy of all categories, fruit of the year. Brinson, do you, you're still on there? What's your vote? Fruit of the year? So uh, ooh, if I got to go fruit, I, I'm – I think this is a year where uh, a wild card like pineapple could sneak in and, 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 and take some serious votes. I've been eating a lot of Hawaiian pizza this all season. I feel like the pineapple's been strong. Oh, pineapple, I mean, you're maybe a West Coast. I'm an East Coast guy. The pineapple's always better. I love, I love pineapple. Pineapple has won three times in the yeah. fruit of the year category for the Sheckies. But you don't put it on pizza. You don't put it on pizza, Brinson. Cut him off. I want him off this show. I don't like that opinion. That's not the way to close the show. All right, there's the music. Thankfully, saved. We'll be back with more Hooey and Applesauce later on in the week. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.